0: Here's where the Holy Spirit directed me for our time together today. While I would like to read the entirety of chapter 21, time will not permit it, I will read some selected verses and ask you to keep your scriptures open there. Verse 7, please. Verse 7 precedes some other verses that deals about deals with the end of the time, the end of the age, the coming of Jesus, and what that would look like. Verse 7 says, So they asked Him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. They'll also say, The time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Let's Skip down to verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from fear, And the expectation of those things that are coming upon the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. And then verse 34, please. But take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, the cares of this life, and that they come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore. Watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Can you say amen if you know this is His Word? Now, I tell you that immediately upon disclosing this word, before praying, that I realize the the nature of responsibility I have here. And I also realize that uh, many others, and maybe you included, have heard something of this line about the coming of the Lord. But I, I just must tell you, due to recent events, I am more stirred up and more prodded by the Holy Spirit to awaken us this Sunday morning to this truth as it relates to what's happening now and what is soon to come. Would you bow with me? Don't let the enemy steal our minds, Lord, and our thoughts and our understanding. Say amen to that church. This is a lovely congregation. I have no desire to exploit them, to talk below them and above them. I have no desire here today, O God, just to do a duty. But we all want to hear Your Word because it is the bread of life. And we want to live it. Can I hear an amen for that? My Father, I just pray today that You would just breathe on us. Father, give us revelation and impartation and anointing to understand. Give us the sense of urgency that comes from living in 2008. And it comes from the prophetic Word of God. Father, I I just ask You today that You would be glorified throughout this time together. And especially here at this Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank You very much. Keep your Scriptures available and open to you. And let us begin as you're seated. You have asked yourself the question, what is this world coming to? I can't begin to tell you how many times either in my mind I thought it or said it out loud. What is this world coming to? Recent event in the news. World events. Climatic events, the headlines caused me to want to ask the question. We're not long removed from the awful, terrible cyclone that hit the country of what used to be Burma and now is Myanmar. And although we are ge- geographically many, many miles away, it doesn't lessen their pain that over 78,000 people have been killed and 2 million people displaced. And for whatever reason, their government has prohibited the freedom of the flow of resources and emergency aid. Last Sunday, while we were at church, and I know there's a different time zone, but in the country of China, central China, there was a devastating earthquake, the aftershocks of which are continuing in that region of China. And in one school, 900 children, because of the earthquake and the building collapsing, 900 children would save uh, but a few, lost their lives. Multiple, multiple thousands are dead. That, that's the kind of the, the weather, the climate, the earth, and what's going on. And, and, and you know, you don't have to go halfway around the world. If you're like me and you've been around just a little while, you understand that even right here in the U.S. this past week and in recent days, the violence of tornadoes have ripped across this country and in certain regions that they thought they were safe from this kind of thing. But even here in Georgia, recent statistics reveal that uh, there is $125 million worth of damage to recent homes, property, and such just in Georgia alone. And I, I read in my scriptures this week in my personal devotion while I'm now reading through the book of Romans, I read where, where when sin cursed mankind, when Adam and Eve gave into sin, they were cursed. The animals were cursed. Because of sin. The plant lives were cursed because of sin. And even the earth was cursed when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And in my reading in Scripture this week, I I read where even all of creation, the earth and nature groans and moans and travails in expectation for the coming of the Lord. If your heart doesn't groan and moan as part of God's highest creation, when you see all these things, if, if there's something in you that says, Oh God... Uh, we need help, or doesn't say that, then, then maybe we're not as sensitive as even nature is about something getting ready to take place. I think about not just the climate, but I think about the moral climate of this country. And, and I'm telling you, when I read Luke 21 and I read the headlines today, I see great relevance. I see, uh, I see uh, an accompaniment of what was predicted then would happen now, already happening now. I see that this week and I read to my dismay and brokenness of my heart where the highest court in the state of California, that being the Supreme Court, has now legalized by a vote of 4 to 3, same-sex marriage. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that even if the court gives permission for women to marry women and men to marry men, God has defined that lifestyle and that choice ...as sin and an abomination and he hasn't changed his mind. I love people. I love... I, I, I told you a few weeks ago there are those within my family tree. There are those within my family branches that are touched and affected and practice this kind of lifestyle. I regret that they do but it doesn't make it right if I come here or a court comes here and says it's okay. And the moral climate, the mayor of San Francisco, the mayor of San Francisco uh, stood before the cameras nationally and worldwide because as you already know, San Francisco, California is the seat of homosexuality in America. The mayor had the gall to look at the camera while he had hundreds of people elated, celebrated, jubilant about this new freedom, if you will, that they have. And he had the gall to say, as go the state of California, so goes all of America. And I want to tell you, if I have anything to do with it, I'm going to pray, God, that not one other state gives way to violating the Word of God and the protection of the family. Please hear me and please understand that God has already defined the family. God has already said one man with one woman for life. But the moral climate of this country is because men and women are bent on doing what they want to do, whether God thinks it's okay or not, or the Bible, they are going to do what they want to do. And yet the Lord tells us that this is one of the signs of the fact that He, His Son, will return. I think about I think about the economic climate that we're in, because the Bible says, if you will please, verse 26. It won't be in your uh, on the screen, but verse 26 says, "Men's heart failing them for fear and the expectation of those things that are coming upon the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken." Uh, I am suggesting to you that economically, uh, there are many people who are experiencing some anxiety, and of a right they should. Uh, because we, have, we are discovering that unemployment is up. We're discovering now that in several states in the United States... Uh, pro- the price for a gallon of gasoline is over $4. We are discovering also that because companies have to cut back and such, people are, are losing their jobs. We're discovering because gas and diesel prices is high and because much of this country's uh, goods are, are transported on trucks and, and other kinds of diesel mechanization that the price of diesel is high, and thus the price of transportation is high, and therefore the price of goods are high. We are discovering also that the housing market is suffering with we're discovering also... We already know the president traveled to the Middle East this past week and one of his stops consisted of stopping in the country of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is one of those Middle Eastern countries from which we get a lot of oil, from which we turn into gasoline, etc. And the president's uh, desire was to hope to persuade the Saudis to produce more oil, thus giving more uh, more of productivity of gasoline. But the Saudis said, no, they're not going to produce any more oil. And, and here we are. We are in an economic situation where I'm telling you you can't afford to take it for granted and yet I'm also saying to you that this is indicative of what's going to happen in our world to say to us that this world is not our answer. I think of the... the, uh, And so men's heart failing them for fear. Have you ever seen crime and violence more blatant and more open than you've ever seen before? Case in point? Uh, Recently, we saw where some teenage girls conspired, set up the camera and brought in another teenage girl of which they had odds with and dissension and videotaped it, their abuse, their fist swinging and and absolutely other girls looking on as if they were cheering on because to me, if you don't do something to stop it, you're a partner of it. That just makes common sense. And, and, and their desire was to post it over the Internet, and they did. And I, I've never seen more blatant violence. I saw this week where three uh, thieves, robbers, walked into a particular place of business in broad daylight. They didn't even disguise themselves, didn't have a mask on or, 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 or shades or whatever. Knew the camera, the security cameras were rolling, had gun in hand, and, uh, and threatened the life of the uh, merchant and the attendants there and stole everything they wanted to steal and left as if to shake their finger in the camera and the face of the police to say, Hey, look, you find us if you can. We don't care. We don't think you can. Uh, Have you ever seen a day and time like that? Uh, My wife and I just had a few moments in between some things yesterday. She had the television on to this uh, court TV that I think is now called True TV or something of that nature. And they were reminiscing on that particular show a violent crime that took place over 10 or maybe 12 years ago, a girl by the name of Shannon Melindy. Anybody remember Shannon Melindy being on the news? Uh, and Shannon Melindy was a, what seemed to me a precious uh, college student who just enjoyed life and the things that a girl her age should. And she was part of a softball team. And uh, come to find out that that... She, she, she disappeared. Nobody knew where she was, what she was about. They felt sure that, uh, that uh, some kind of misfortune had come to her and, and even uh, premeditated by way of crime. And her killer, Hinton, Butch Hinton, uh, eluded authorities and, and eluded his crime or, or having to answer for it for 12 years. And, and, and the documentation, I don't have any intent to uh, turn your stomach this morning, but what he did to her and the premeditated way he did to, it to her, and the repeated way he did to her, will make you sick if you're just an everyday, decent, God-fearing, loving life person. And, and I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, have you ever asked yourself what is this world coming to? On yesterday, CNN headline news logged that a pastor of a pastor of a mega church in Texas was arrested this past week for enticing a minor for indecent purposes. And, I, and because you don't have a lot of time and because you know that I don't have a lot of time and because I'm not interested in just beating around the bush, I'm going to tell you what this world is coming to. This world is coming to an end. And, and I know somebody who don't want to receive that is thinking, oh, you know, I thought I should go to that Baptist church, but I came here today and look what I got to listen to. You know? And you know, let me tell you, you can go to Baptist, the Catholic, the Lutheran, the Church of God, the Assembly of God. It won't change the Word of God. Look, everybody, in your Bibles at verse 28 of chapter 21 of Luke. Now, when these things begin to happen, the things I just described to you, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. Please understand with me, I find it very interesting that when God gets ready to do something on the earth, He always forewarns us prior to His intervention. He may not tell us explicitly what He's going to do until it gets nearer, but He always warns us. And and, and I, I observed that before God gets ready to do something, put the next slide up, He sends some signals that are designed to prepare us for what He's going to do because He loves us. Take for example, God warned the world before he set the flood. In the days of Noah, the ark that God told Noah to build, and he built for a hundred years. How many of you say a hundred years is a pretty long time of warning? The ark was the sign that God was getting ready to judge. Here's another example. Before God delivered the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage, he sent ten plagues upon the Egyptians. The plagues on the Egyptians were the signs that God was getting ready to deliver his children for 400 years of captivity case in point. is before the Lord sent the Israelites into the Babylonian captivity. And you remember after they got in the promised land and God blessed them with all good things. And then they forgot God and they forgot, uh, or they they acted like they forgot God. They went intermarrying with pagan people. They went building other idols and building other places of worship and God warned them. He sent prophets. He sent teachers. He performed miracles. He sent Elijah and Elisha. And he said, these people, if you keep doing this, I am going to send you in captivity. You're going to go 70 years the women are studying on monday night about the bible the book of daniel and the book of daniel is about the babylonian captivity it's also a very prophetic book but the fact of the matter is god warned them and warned them if you do not repent turn around clean up your act and get it all together you're going to suffer they knew here's another case in point you remember the lord god Of course, we know before He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as the Savior of the world, before Jesus Christ became the virgin-born Son of God, God gave signs. One of those signs was a star in the heavens that guided the wise man to the place of His dwelling. Can I get an amen to that? And here's where I'm going. Listen, if you take notes, note this. Just as the first coming of Jesus was preceded with signs, so will His second coming be preceded with signs. Note this also. There will be signs in the world that His coming is near. Because the Bible says in the latter part of Luke Verse 26, Luke 21, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Look at verse 25, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea uh, and the waves roaring. I'm saying to you, there will be signs in the world, write this down, that correspond with signs in the Word of God whether you like it or not if you're born again i think you'll like it whether you like it or not you and i are living in the last of the last days according to prophetic signs and what's going on in the world we are the generation that will see the coming of the lord jesus christ and so i am here this morning as a clarion call i am here this morning as one of those with breaking news to tell you that don't you uh, don't you make plans to stay here indefinitely don't you get so wrapped up with the world and the things of the world with the busyness of life that you fail to take care of what will happen after you leave this life now I want to show you several signs and I want to give you three warnings God's word for right now warning number one Jesus warned that as we approach his return there'll be those who will try to deceive us in the church and outside the church So he says, don't be deceived. I I am really alarmed at the turn of events in the spiritual direction of this country. I'm American by choice, and I'm proud to be an American. Come this November 12th, I'll be in this country 40 years. I came in 1968, 11 years old. Now see, that makes me 41, doesn't it? I told my wife at the table yesterday with my mind on this word, 11 years old is a good time for you to know right and wrong and, what, and how things are. And it's like my life started over at 11 years old because I really don't remember but some selective things. I remember a lot of things about Trinidad by, by all means, but I don't remember the politics, I don't remember the government, I don't remember the economy, those kind of things. But in the last almost 40 years of observing this nation, I, I am amazed at the turn of events of spiritual climate, when I came to the country in 1968, the country had just decided that we don't need God in schools. What has happened? You know. the turn of I, Not only am I amazed at what the turn of events of spirituality of this nation, I'm amazed at the turn of events of the spirituality of, of Christianity in America. I am amazed at what, over the last 40 years, have come up to the pulpit of America and are still in the pulpits of some America, in some places in America... As they as they take the Word of God and transform it into something else than it really is. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean in verse number 8, please. Look there. Chapter 21. Take heed that you be not deceived, for many will come in my name saying, I am he. And they'll also say, the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. I cited to you in a couple of sermons previously, except with the exception of Mother's Day last week, I spoke to you for the two weeks prior on deception. And you should perhaps get those CDs or tapes because it is the Word of the Lord and it opens your eyes. See, you come here on this Sunday morning. You come here because uh, you come to get tooled up, equipped, knowledgeable, so that you can live the life that pleases God and you can get His favor. You come to the house of God, not just to hear the songs, sing the songs, and do your Sunday morning stuff. You come here to get ready to, to leave in more ways than one. And and, and I want you to understand that even observing this country the last 40 years and observing the news, I have and you have seen people who've rise to the surface to call themselves Christ or call themselves a new kind of spiritual leader. And let me tell you something. When Jesus returns, he will need no help from anybody to announce that I'm here. Come follow me. The Word of God says in another reference, speaking about His coming, as the lightning shines brightly during the night in a storm, and it shines and flashes in the east and scrapes its way across the sky, so brilliantly all the way to the western sky, as visible as the lightning is, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Every eye shall behold Him. Every knee shall bow. He doesn't need any help announcing His coming. Somebody give a Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm saying to you, however, but this deception thing, this deception that the devil uses is not a new thing. Matter of fact, deception is as old as the Garden of Eden. And the same kind of method that the devil used to deceive Adam and Eve, he hasn't changed very much from it. I like the way Dr. David Jeremiah puts it. I love to hear Dr. David Jeremiah preach. He speaks from uh, a context of the coming of the Lord in his book entitled Until He Comes. And he, he speaks of three steps the devil uses to deceive. See if you don't agree. I think you will. And he especially uses the analogy of the book of Genesis chapter 3 where Satan comes to Eve in the form of a serpent and deceives her. And here's what happens. He begins with the devil's attempt to dispute the Word of God to Eve. And in Genesis 3 and 1, don't turn there, I'll just give it to you. The, the devil says, has God indeed said, he said to Eve, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He suggested to Eve that she misunderstood God. But when you have time and you go back to Genesis two 17, you'll find out that God said, to Adam and Eve, out of every tree of the garden, every tree you should eat and eat liberally. But out of this one tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, thou shalt not eat thereof. Because in the day you eat of this one tree, you shall surely die. And so, so here's what the devil does today. He, he comes alongside of us when already we have a Bible. We have a Bible that clearly shows us what God wants us to do and what God doesn't want us to do. There are some places in the Bible that are difficult to understand because of the history and because of the chronology and, and because of the prophetic. But there's enough places. there are enough places in the Bible that tells us, if you do this, you'll live. If you do this thing, you'll die. How many know the Bible is intended to be to us a roadmap? map? Can I get an amen? How many know that the Bible intended to, to bless us and, and to take care of us? And that's why God has do's and don'ts, because He loves us better than our earthly parents. But, you know, we have a Bible that plainly says do this, I'll bless you. If you don't do this, you'll be cursed. And if you do something else other than the Word of God, you could, be, you could lose your salvation. And so here's what's going on. But sometimes the devil kind of comes up close to us, alongside of us. And, and there's something we really want to do, but we know the Bible says we shouldn't do it. But he comes along, uh, alongside us. He may even bring somebody into our lives. And, and, and they want to give us this what is called this alternative interpretation. Suggesting that, that, that maybe God didn't really mean it that way, or I'm not so sure what it means right here when it says this, so I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. Now, let, let me, let me ask you something. If you took your automobile that was manifesting signs of wear, wear and tear and making noises and sounds, you know, i tell you, one of the things that really gets me is, is when the car begins to make a sound that it's not supposed to make. You know? I just have, you know, I have ears to hear, and I'm blessed with good ears, you know. And so we'll be riding along like we were yesterday in the car, and it doesn't bother Valerie at all. But I hear this little squeak or this something, you know. And, and Valerie says, "Just turn the radio on." <laughs> I love her, you know. So, so you take your car to the shop. And, 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 and something's rattling in the engine under the hood. And uh, they say, this needs, needs attention. And uh, so you go on and you get a second opinion. and You go someplace else and they, they didn't call it exactly the same thing that shop called it. They called it a different name. And uh, so you go on you think maybe it's not that bad. Okay? But it doesn't change the fact that something's going on in the engine. And something's not right. Okay? And there, there are consequences that will follow. You all with me out there in radio land? Uh, You go to the doctor, you have some symptoms in your body that you know is unlike your natural way of health and feeling. And and you go to the doctor, and he calls it a particular name, and he says, you need to give attention to that. You think, I need a second opinion, so you go to another doctor. And he he says, well, it's that, but it could be something else. We have to run some tests. And you go home, and you think, okay, something's going on, but uh, uh, the name of it is different from what... But it doesn't change the fact that it's there. And that if you ignore it, it could kill you. Uh, Please hear me. That's the way it is with Sin the political correctness of San Francisco can call it an alternate lifestyle. Okay? Somebody calls uh, adultery a different relationship when it's adultery all along, but it doesn't change the fact that I don't care what you label it, if the government changes its name, if the school system changes its name, if your company changes its name, it doesn't. It, it, and if, if some other preacher or teacher or some hotshot comes along and changes the truth, doesn't change the fact that God meant what He said. He calls sin, sin. And if you sin, the soul that sinned shall die. But if you don't sin, the soul that obeys God, obeys the Lord, serve the Lord, they shall live. Okay, yeah. Here's another, here's another tactic of the devil. He would have us deny God's Word. So he says to Eve in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3 and 4, he says to Eve, you shall not surely die. A flat contradiction, if you will, to what God had just said a few verses before. If you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. Here's how Dr. David Jeremiah puts it in his commentary on this this thing of the devil causing us to deny God's word to trick us up. Dr. Jeremiah said this, he said, I am learning that every time you try to find an interpretation of a scripture that will permit you to do something you know is wrong, every time you give a little ground to the devil and lose some ground from the Word of God, it isn't long until Satan drives a truck through that opening and dumps a load of stinking garbage in your life. You heard the saying, you give him an inch to take a mile. That's the way the devil is. Give him a little place in your thinking. A reevaluation of the truth. And he'll dump a load of garbage in your life. Don't give any place to the devil. Here's a third way the devil comes to us. That the Holy Spirit wants you to be aware of so that you can fight and win. He would have us displace the word of God. In Genesis 3 and 5, Satan says to Eve in order to tempt her to disobey God, Satan says, for God knows that in the day you eat of the tree, the one that God said not to eat of, God knows if you eat of that tree, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. May I suggest to you, church, that Satan is telling Eve that because she will be as God is, then she can decide for herself what is good and what is evil. There have been preachers who have come along. I've heard them who suggests to us that since we were created in the image of God, that we are all little gods. Wrong. Yes, we are created in the image of God, but we are not gods. We are His highest creation, but we're not gods. We have the power of God, but we can lose the power of God if we disobey. Some of you, your children have your image, but you don't like the way they're doing Preach little man, thank you very much. I'm encouraged by your shout. You know, and you don't solve the problem. It happens in this church. It'll happen in other churches. If the truth is being preached and it touches someone where they live and they don't want to change, they'll go find another church. But you've taken the problem because you haven't dealt with it when you heard the truth. You've taken it to the next place you went. Uh If your marriage is going bad, oh Lord, where should I stand is If your marriage is going bad and you don't want, you don't address it sensibly and with some counseling and direction and give it all you can to save it, but you abort it and goes another marriage, and you're part of the problem, then you're taking it to the next marriage. Changing partners. Well, parents do this all the time. Their little Johnny or Susie misbehaves in school and uh, do it quite frequently. And they know their little, little Johnny and Susie give them a fit at home. And they're very likely to give the coach a fit at school and the teacher a fit at school. And especially, God help you if you're a substitute teacher. God help you. Listen, the last job you want in this world is to be a substitute teacher. I was one, but God resurrected me from the dead. <laughs> I, have a, I have a degree in education. And, and for a season of time, when our church was smaller and I and, uh, needed to subsidize our family's income, I was a substitute teacher. God help you if you're one. Because when you show up in a classroom unless you got authority as a substitute teacher, you are the bullseye that day. But there are parents who will ask this for their student to change homeroom teachers or change school or go someplace else because they don't have the gall to deal with their Johnny and Susie in the way they need to be dealt with. So they send them someplace else. They're just sometimes that you, got, you and I got to buckle down and say to ourselves, God, deal with me. Cleanse me. Purge me. Change me. My point is, do not not try to change what God has already said. Do not displace the Word of God. The Word of God is our protection. Live by it. Love it. Defend it. Here's a second thought, please. He warns us. Don't be afraid. When when we approach the end, when we come to the return of Jesus, when we see these signs in the skies, on the earth, in morality, in crime, when we see these signs of nuclear threat, the uh, attack on the family, when you hear of wars and commotions, don't be terrified, verse 9, for these things must come to pass first. And God is... He's not blessing the idea that we all get so frightened and head for the hills. No. When you see these things coming upon the earth, you're not supposed to run off someplace and have a survivalist commune and stock up with groceries and guns and wait for Armageddon. Help me here, somebody. When you hear this kind of preaching, it shouldn't make you afraid if you're born again. Because the Lord says in the midst of all this, look look everybody in your Bibles in in, in verse number uh, 36, please. Are Are you in verse number 36? And I'm trying to hasten here. Verse 36 says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. In the midst of earthquakes, famines, pestilences, violence that's going on in our world right now. and been going on in our world before. The reason you and I are alive today is because God's been keeping us from these things. Can I get an amen here? I don't understand all the ways of God, but I'm grateful for His keeping power. Don't be afraid when I preach to you about the rapture and the coming of the Lord and this world going as it is. What you and I are supposed to do is all the more get passionate about getting everybody on board the gospel ship that we can. Somebody say amen. Our duty as we see the coming of the Lord is not to be terrorized, but to tell the truth and pray for our husband and pray for our wife and pray for our children and pray for our sons and our daughters and for everybody else that is not born again that will miss heaven. Our duty is not to be afraid, but to be evangelistic. Say amen, somebody. Don't. And I know it puts fear in our hearts. But we ought to be God's warning. All of us are to hear. Listen to me somebody. You know, some of you know that your children are not living right. Some of you know that you brought them up with the fear of God in the house of God. Now they're young adults or adults and you know they're not living right. Your duty is to remind them to live right. You know your husband or your wife not living Right. Some of you know that you are not living right. And I'm not trying to be hard and mean. We're having three services here because I'm trying to build the kingdom of God. So I'm not selecting these words just to make you mad. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that the Word of God is true and which we know our sons and daughters are not saved or your grandson or daughter is not saved or your mother or your dad or your husband wife is not saved or your carpool, the people you carpool with or the people you have lunch with in your break room. Your purpose and mine is not to hoard up food and weapons and wait for the rapture but say God, give me a bird and a heart, a prayer to pray for these people, and if you could give me an opportunity, maybe I could tell them how to be born again. God open our eyes. Before I got to the seventh verse of the 21st chapter, Jesus talked to the disciples about they were in the proximity of the temple. They were looking at the temple, and the disciples were bragging about the ornamentation of the temple, the beauty of its furnishings, the stone walls, and all the excellence, because you know that the temple was a grandiose construction. And Jesus said, look, uh, not one stone from this temple is going to be left unturned because of the upcoming devastation of this temple and the city of Jerusalem. He prophesied this before he was uh, uh, falsely arrested and crucified that Jerusalem would be destroyed. Seventy years after Jesus prophesied that in the year 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. Every stone overturned. The Roman government came in and completely destroyed Jerusalem and all its inhabitants and the place of worship, the temple. And Jews scattered all over Asia Minor. And as history unfolded itself, Jews scattered all over in the year seventy AD, Israel ceased being a nation. Nine years later, Mount Vesuvius in the country of Italy erupted. Mount Vesuvius erupted with such force and potency and violence of smoke, molten lava, heated gases and ashes. Until the people, the inhabitants of the city of Pompeii and the other city called Herculaneum, all the inhabitants were destroyed. National Geographic magazine did an article on this historical thing in 1984. National Geographic magazine did an article on the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. And it's, it says, due to historical findings and due to archaeological digs, that the people were caught so unprepared that while they were about their daily routine, while they were about their everyday existence, they died because of the severity. And so what it was, people had baskets in their hands on the way to the market, and because of lava and the ashes, they died in motion. The wealthy people were at their public baths, and they died. The slaves were in the fields, and they died. Even the animals, the pets, you know sometimes it seems like the animals know of approaching storm or danger before humans do. Even the animals were caught unaware. Here's the greatest tragedy of the devastation of Pompeii and Herculaneum: Those people need not have died. According to historical documentation, according to the records of the record keepers of those times, ancient Rome, there were rumblings under the earth for weeks prior to the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. The ground shook in those areas. Uh, Even historical documentation, the writings of ancient historians, said there was a plume of smoke over the cone-shaped mouth of Vesuvius for days. And those people need not have died. Listen to me. This is 2008, May 18. And I'm telling you that there are rumblings and roarings and signs and evidence that our Lord is coming back to earth again. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, you hear me. If I didn't believe it, was convinced of it, I'd close this Bible after I finish my thoughts go find me something else worth living for but there ain't nothing in this world worth living for than the hope of not just the peace of God while I live here but a home whereby I'll be given a brand new body a brand new life and the coming of the Lord and and, and I'm saying to you, uh, the Bible says uh, we, we okay every time yeah we are hey yeah uh, in the book of Matthew, the Bible says, speaking about prophetic times, when these signs I just described to you begin to take place, He said, Matthew said, these are the beginning of sorrows. Well, what Matthew means is that these are like the word sorrows there means birth pains. You women would can identify with this so readily, and we fathers can too because we have seen you suffer at the imminence of the bringing forth of a child. You know that these are. There's labor pains, the labor pains as the as the as the child is ready to come forth, the labor pain gets more increased. They are more intense and they are more frequent. Are you with me, ladies? Say Amen. If you're a mother, yeah. Okay. So so here here's, here's, here's the point. I know when you're sitting there because you're not you're not a dumb person. You, you, you think, you read, you research, you, you question. I know you're thinking, but well, Pastor. There have been earthquakes in the past years ago, hundreds of years ago even. There have been earthquakes, there have been famine, there have been pestilences, there have been signs in the heavens. Pastor, all these things have been going on ever since Jesus went to heaven. And I would say that you are absolutely right, but here's a distinction. Here's a distinction. He said, before He comes again, they will increase in frequency, they will increase in intensity, they will happen all the more. And you just have to read the USA today and the Word of God to know that's happening. I'm trying to find a place to wrap it up, and here's what I'll say. Here's a third warning, and the final of my thoughts. Take me a few moments to wrap it up. Don't be distracted. As a boy, we used to sing, Oh, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Yes, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Do you know it? Satan will be bound a thousand years. We'll have no tempter then. After Jesus shall come back to earth again. And li- listen to me, okay? Uh, I know you didn't come for the singing. That's all you will to get. Look on the screen. Verse 34. But take heed to yourselves. lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. What, what, what am I supposed to doing, to be doing? Hey, look. You you should work a job because it takes money to live. Can I get an amen? I tell you my desire for you, and I'm I I pray for you every week. I pray for you regularly. I don't I don't get to pray for you name by name. I used to could do that. I used to could when the church was small. I got all your names. Now I don't even remember the name of our children. But the, the thing about it is, I pray for you. I want you to have a nice car. I want you to have a nice house. Please understand me. I want you to have nice clothes. I want you to have food. I want you to prosper. But I don't want you to be so busy providing these things that you miss heaven. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that come to pass. Forgive me if I'm going over a little too long. I just, I'm just passionate. This is not some, this is something that the Holy Ghost stirred my heart. You got to read your Bible regularly. Church, read your Bible every day. Read the Bible, read the Word of God. Just like you you know, you know, you, you exercise, you should exercise. You should eat right. You should rest well. You should do all the things for the body. And you should do other things for, uh, for your family. But listen to me. Watch and pray. How are you going to know the real from the unreal? How are you going to know the counterfeit from the real? It's because you've read the Bible. The Bible is the truth. And if it doesn't measure up to the Bible, throw it out the window. Watch therefore and pray. Don't sin. There will be a reason every Sunday why you can't come to church that Sunday. The devil will see to it. The devil will tell you when you walk out of the service this morning why you can't come back on Wednesday nights and why you can't come back on Sunday. When you hit next Saturday, the devil will will try to legitimize some reason in your head why you can't be in the house of God. You need to read and pray and worship God and be in church and bring your family with you. Please, help me, Jesus. I don't know where I'll get breath for the next sermon, but I'll give you this one. Long after I'm dead and gone, if Jesus chooses to tarry, I pray to God in the high heavens that somebody will be from this pulpit. They may not be as dramatic, and they may not be as demonstrative as I am. And by the way, when I die, don't get you no sissified preacher. Take that how you want to. Sissified bunch of somebody standing up here reading you three points in a poem. If I'm dead and gone before Jesus comes, I'm coming back to haunt every one of you. If you settle, if you settle for the less. But you get no compromising half baked nonsense kind of preacher who don't pray and read the Bible. I'm not saying I'm a perfect preacher, and I got a long ways to go before I get better, but I am who I am, every five foot, seven inches, towering height man that I am. Let me, let me let me tell you something else. There a lot of signs going on, okay? Let me give you one more sign, and I really am going to close. <laughs> Maybe you'll find your preacher who really does close when he says he's going to close. <laughs> That'll be okay. I don't mind that. <laughs> President Bush went to Israel this week. Come, Pastor Zach, they'll think I'm going to close. You know how we do that? <laughs> he plays, you think I'm going to close. President Bush went to Israel this week to help them celebrate their 60th anniversary as a nation do you recall just a moment ago where I told you that in the year 7080 Israel Jerusalem the temple was destroyed since the year 70 AD, till 1948 Israel did not exist as a nation anybody anybody hear me if you, you don't you don't have to know just Bible history just know history for hundreds of years Israel, wandered all over the world as vagabonds and strangers. In that time of wandering all over the world, Hitler killed six million of them through his Nazi war machine. Ever since that time, Satan has raised up a person or persons or nations or groups to try to kill the Jews. Might I borrow your Bible just a moment? I didn't get to read all of this. But in, in verse number... Here it is. You got it marked. That's good. My, my. I see, I see so many things here. I don't know if I want to get into all this because it's kind of... He says in verse 32, Israel is called a fig tree in many places in the Bible, okay? And he says, he says, when these things begin to pass, you see the coming of the Lord as the fig tree begins to blossom, as other trees begin to blossom, okay? He says, know that the coming of the Lord is near. Are you with me, everybody? But, but here he wasn't talking about just any old fig tree, he's talking about Israel. In 1948, Israel blossomed. She became a nation. And what happened is, the Word of God says, right under that verse, the generation that sees the fig tree blossom, the birth of Israel as a nation, is the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. The miracle of our lifetime is that Israel became a nation in one day in 1948 May. Hezbollah is trying to kill him now. Hamas is trying to kill him now. The president of Iran is trying to kill him now. Let me, one of the surest signs. Pastor, I ain't so sure about all these other signs you talked to me about. Now I'm going to go check it out. But well, let me tell you something. the most, One of the most sure signs of the coming of the Lord is not to get your eyes on Washington, D.C. and not to get your eyes in Europe and the Euro. If you want to know how soon you are to the coming of the Lord, keep your eyes on Israel and Jerusalem and the people of God. Everything is said. So put up the three warnings and i am have you stand, if you will. Would you stand, everyone? Oh, blessed Jesus! If you know you're ready, would you say Amen? amen. If you know that, if you know that if Jesus comes today, you don't mind it because you don't have anything in this world to keep you here that you want to stay for, and you're glad you're ready. Can you give the Lord an applause here in Jesus' name? Everybody, everybody, do it! Everybody, do it! Yes. Now, now, look at me and hear me. Oh. James, take me to James. I know you just put that up, and somebody may be writing it, but I think I have James four and fourteen. Here's how I want to close: to have preached to you all this time and to have prayed over this and studied it, and not given you this this opportunity would be to have cut short God's will. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. How many know that? Huh? I'm a pastor. I am happy to be a pastor. My Lord, there's nothing... There are days that are harder than others, but there's nothing in this world that I'd rather be than write what God's helping me to be and do. But as a pastor, I I see that happen each week. I do not know what tomorrow holds because I get a call from somewhere or somebody or somehow. A mother approached me this morning with her husband, mother and father. Their daughter is in confinement in prison. Their daughter has been zealous about the Lord. In prison, because God has given her chance again, and she's regiven her life to the Lord, rededicated. She's had Bible studies and prayer meetings. i been excited. I went to see their daughter back a couple months ago at the state prison, and the mother said to me, uh, "said Pastor, the devil has a hold of her mind. She's depressed. She has panic attacks. She has anxiety attacks." She said, "she said, The mother said to me, Pastor, pray with us because my daughter is now suicidal." That's the way the devil would work. But we bound that spirit. And even though she's in prison in one way, she can be free in another way. Look at this. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. I'm not going to use cheap psychology to persuade you to Christ. If the Word of God doesn't persuade you, then I'm helpless. Bow your heads. If you need to be born again, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and give your life to Jesus. If you're not ready, if you were to die today or the rapture took place today, the return of Jesus, if you're not ready, would you leave from where you're standing and ask somebody to come with you if you'd like and come and stand with me at the altar and I'll pray for you gladly. I'll I'll gladly pray for you. You want to rededicate your life. You want to say, God, thank you for giving me another chance. I'm waiting for you. I'd be happy to pray for you. I'm not here to embarrass you. We're not here to, to pick you out and make you feel uncomfortable. But we ask asking you to make a public declaration. Jesus, I need you. And I want you come in Jesus' name. I bless you. Pray, Christians. I don't keep you very much longer, but I want you to pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I recommit, Lord. I rededicate in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. Come on. come If you're coming, I'm going to give you about 30 more seconds. Pray, Christians. Come and stand with me in the name of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Church, you pray because, because this is going down in the, in the record books of heaven. I praise you Jesus I I want uh, uh, an elder and uh, and his wife If you're together this morning to come and stand Or or, or I want a spirit filled lady to come And stand with me here with these ladies More than, I don't care if ten of you come Come in Jesus name I love you Jesus Others, are you coming, Choir, pray with me Pray for me in the name of Jesus Oh God I know there are people here who have heard this so many times And they receive it I pray for our souls today Hallelujah to Jesus. I want two or three of your men to come and stand with those that you see standing that that need somebody to encourage them. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Pray with them. Just talk to them and pray with them. Father, every head bowed and every eye closed, I come to you this morning. Mothers, would you pray for your children right now if they're not ready? Everybody in this house, be praying. Fathers, would you pray for your sons if they're not ready? Would you pray? Husband, would you pray for your wife? Wife, would you pray for your husband? Would you pray for your family member who might be in another state and you're here? Would you pray for somebody today that God puts on your heart that you know they're not ready if they die? or Jesus comes. Call their name right now for the next few seconds. Everybody calling somebody's name that you care about and you want to see make heaven. My Father, I thank you for these in the altar. I pray salvation. I pray, oh God, rededication. I pray the power of God living in them. For everybody in this service, oh God, that should have come, along with these who have come. I pray that they would pray right there in the pew and say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. God, I confess my sins. I confess my disobedience. I know what was right, but I did what was wrong. And I'm I'm asking you to forgive me this morning cleanse me and forgive me and wash away my sins in the name of jesus thank you for doing it now put your hands together and give the lord thanks everybody our lord is coming back to us again amen hallelujah to jesus everybody know you're ready say amen oh hallelujah